Uh, g'day everyone, it's really lovely to see you at church and um, I'm not normally at seven so it's a privilege to be here. Uh, I get the privilege of uh, serving the Coromel congregation as well as the 5pm. Um, so we're going to look at God's word. So if you want to open back up to Psalm 100, uh, so um, and that's what we're going to kind of uh, spend most of our time in, in Psalm 100. on page 604 in the Pew Bibles. Well, I'll start off with just a, a sadder story. I've, just, I've got a friend who, uh, when it comes to his relationship with God, um, he doesn't feel anything. He feels no emotion. Uh, and it breaks my heart. Um, and this friend of mine, uh, he's grown up in the faith and he's been regularly taught the Bible. Uh, but for him, he feels nothing when it comes to Christianity. And uh, so it, it, in, in some ways that um, has indicated to him um, that following Jesus is not for him. Uh, and I think um, that's a really sad um, uh, conclusion. Um, and I think it's, it, it is important, isn't it, feelings? Feelings are incredibly important. Um, uh, we are um, creatures that are made with emotions. Uh, and yet feelings come and go um, I mean, you, you know, it could just be just you've had too much sugar and you, and you get a rush uh, and then you fall flat. And we're not to be ruled by our emotions, but we also aren't robots uh, and feelings are given to us by God. And as we read Psalms, and particularly this one, it's like, man, um, be exuberant. Hey, like there's just that joy, uh, there's joyful shouting and singing uh, there's instructions to gladly serve God. Uh, there's invitation to come before him with thanksgiving. Uh, it's just, it, there, it's, it's, it's exciting, it's exuberant. But what if you're not feeling exuberant? You know, you've tried to write on the, um, those little cards what you're thankful for, but you can only think of what could be better. Um, maybe you're feeling like you're in a bit of a pit, discouraged, downhearted, and when you're disgruntled, it's easier to withdraw from God than to draw near to him. Uh, you come up with excuses, justify your grumbling. So what's the antidote? If we, if we want this kind of picture of Psalm 100, what's the antidote? How can we leave today um, praising God out of a joyful heart? And that's actually my goal for tonight, is that we go away praising God out of a joyful heart, no matter um, where you're at. But I think sometimes the way we think the antidote is, is like, well, just be more thankful. It's like, oh, thank you. Uh, or we play the comparison game. You know, like we kind of go, all right, who's worse off than I am? And oh, at least I'm not as bad as X or Y. Uh, and that doesn't really help. Uh, they might help for a little bit. You might feel a bit grateful. Um, but um, it's not going to satisfy that kind of answer. And what we need is an answer that doesn't depend on our feelings and doesn't depend on our circumstances. Uh, we don't want to dismiss emotion and we don't want to dismiss godly lament. There's, in the Bible, it's right to uh, complain to God helpfully. But um, today we're going to look for answers in Psalm 100. And if you look at Psalm 100, uh, you'll notice a title uh, underneath um, before verse 1. And it just says, A Psalm. Um, for giving grateful praise. Um, this is a psalm Israel were to use to be able to not only give grateful praise, but to know why to give joyful thanks. 
And so for today, I want to start with looking at what is grateful praise and then what motivates us to give um, joyful thanks. And especially when we don't feel like it and if you're going through difficulty and disappointment. So, uh, what is um, grateful praise or what does grateful praise look like? Um, Well, grateful praise um, is sort of three components. Um, As we look at this, it's to do with your voice, it's to do with your heart that that serves God, and it's to do with your feet, at least for Israel it was, um, drawing near to God. Um, So back in that time, uh, the temple was where um, people would be drawn to, and so we have voice, hearts, and feet. And so let's start with voice. Uh, Have a look at verse 1. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Um, Usually shouting, I feel like, is angry. um, But in this case, it's joyful. Joyful shouting. Um, And it's like an outburst of delight. You know when you chomp into that burger? You just think, oh my goodness. That was amazing. Or that is amazing. You know, that kind of outburst of delight, that shouting with joy. Well, I think that's kind of what we get the picture of, that grateful praise is sort of like that outburst, that delight that just kind of springs out and, and, and here the psalm calls on all the people of the earth to shout with great delight to God. It's that kind of noise where you make a big fuss over someone, maybe um, a celebrity, uh, maybe a king, you know, kind of noise of admiration and acclaim, fanfare, adulation, uh, We're to use our voices to express grateful praise in shouting adoration. That's one way we use our voices. But we also use our voices to sing. And so thankfully, um, for those of you who are tone deaf, um, and yep, it is a curse. Um, But the beautiful thing is that it's not a tuneful noise, it's a joyful noise. And the thing about joy is that you don't have to hit notes perfectly to, to be able to sing with joy. How good's that? Um, maybe the people weren't around. No, no, don't worry about the people around you. Just, just ignore them. Um, but the point is we can use our voice for grateful praise. And that's, um, that's one of the components to how grateful praise is expressed. The second thing is to do with our hearts uh, and particularly serving. So verse 2, if you have a look at that, worship the Lord with gladness, come before him with joyful songs. Um, In this case, worship is about serving. And so, in some sense, the heart is kind of the control, kind of centre of of our being. And so, worship the Lord, uh, to serve the Lord. It's not just reverence, but it's also a desire to serve God's purposes from that control centre of your heart. Uh, That means also submitting to him gladly, not serving other gods, but pledging your allegiance to God only. So there you go, grateful praise, voice, wholehearted service to God. And lastly, it's about drawing near. Um, People invited to come near to God. Uh, We see it in verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. And so here, there's this beautiful invitation to come before God. And you notice, it's not to come with fear or uncertainty. Um, In the Bible, whenever God appears, bang, the person's on the ground because they're afraid. But here, we're invited 
to come before God without fear or uncertainty, to walk through the gates, coming before him with joy and with thanksgiving. And so that just gives you the brief picture of what does grateful praise look like. It looks like uh, what you express with your voice, how you serve God with your heart and drawing near to God. Now that's the picture, but what about when we don't feel that, when we come with heavy hearts, when we find it difficult to give thanks? Well, this psalm not only shares what grateful praise looks like, but it gives us the reason why God's people are to joyfully give thanks. And so this psalm helps us to look above, above our feelings and above our circumstances to look to God. Um, so let's have a look at what motivates God's people to joyfully give thanks. And it's three things. It's about knowing God, knowing Him, delighting in Him, and there are three things to know. So if you want to write this down on your notes... Knowing the Lord is God, knowing we belong to God, and knowing God is stable. So firstly, knowing the Lord is God. Now that might seem like a bit of an obvious or unnecessary statement. It's like if I say, uh, Liam is Liam, you might just think, okay, you're not quite right in the head. But look at verse 3, because it's a bit more than just saying that God is God. Uh, It's saying that the Lord is God. So know that the Lord is God. And you notice the word Lord, it's God's personal name and it distinguishes him from other gods. And so for Israel, when they declared that the Lord is God, they were declaring that Yahweh, his personal name, that this is Yahweh as God. And they were rejecting any other loyalties, whether that was to human leaders or to other gods. Yahweh is God and there are no other gods but him. Now, that might not draw great delight to begin with because we need to know who God is. And so, where does the psalmist go? He talks about the fact that God is our maker. We are dependent on our creator. If, um, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't exist. And so, that's why we can shout to God and serve him. He made us, but he also redeemed us. He brought us back. Um, Israel were brought back from slavery When they were freed, they became God's special possession. And that's true of us. We have been brought back um, with a price. Um, Now, everyone's played Monopoly, I guess. Um, If you you haven't played um, the classic, you know, there's Monopoly Deal, there's Monopoly Empire, there's Monopoly You Build It, um, you can come over and we can play. We've got heaps of them. Um, But um, yesterday we were just playing the original Monopoly, the classic one, me and my daughter Sarah... And I got to the point uh, where I had to mortgage my properties. Uh, So it's always humiliating when your eight-year-old daughter is forcing you to mortgage your properties. Um, Yeah, pray for me. Um, uh, But, you know, when you mortgage your properties, um, you know, on the back, it'll tell you, um, so if you go to the next picture, it'll tell you how much you need to pay. Now, notice you have to pay more. Um, to get your property back. Now, of course, for us, um, because of our debt before God, um, what is the price for us to be bought back? And that's the precious blood of Christ. And it doesn't just cover your, um, your sort of number on your back of you. Um, it covers all of us. And there's something wonderful about being bought with the blood of Christ. And we praise God that it's been paid and we can delight in this truth. So that's 
what we're to know, um, that God is, the Lord is God, but also we can know that we belong to God. For Israel, God freed them from slavery. For us, we've been freed from sin and death. And um, what this actually means, and it's actually good, is that we don't belong to ourselves. I think we, um, in our society, we, we think it's a rite of passage to be able to stand on our, two, our own two feet. But because of the precious blood of Jesus, you don't belong to yourself. You were bought with a price, and it's a high price. I think belonging to somebody else can seem degrading. You know, when you, maybe you play sport and someone comes up to you and says, I'm going to own you or something like that. Again, you think, okay, thank you. Um, But belonging to God isn't humiliating. Uh, It's not disrespectful. It's just a lovely thing, isn't it? Just it reminds you of God's desire for you. It was lovely um, hearing one of those prayers about God finding joy in you. Uh, He found so much joy that he was willing to give up his son so that you could belong to him. And the wonderful thing is that you belong to a God who cares. And that's the picture we get in verse 3. Know that the Lord is God, it is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now, um, verse 3 says we're sheep, and uh, sometimes that can also feel like a bit of a slander to be called a sheep, but it's because we've got a great shepherd. Um, That's the wonderful thing. A friend of mine, uh, his in-laws are good farmers, and they use modern kind of uh, methods um, of farming but when it comes to orphan lambs they still hand rear them with bottled milk keeping them warm by the kitchen stove isn't that just lovely just taking care of this orphan lamb um, feeding uh, the lamb and keeping the lamb warm and we get this sense of God deeply caring for us as a shepherd cares for his sheep but don't leave the picture of care in with that as your frame of reference because it's more to, to God's care. God's care is also leading and guiding and protecting. And in the famous Psalm, Psalm 23, God says he will lead his sheep to green pastures. Why is that? Well, because not all of life is green pastures. There are barren lands, there are treacherous paths and there'll be dark valleys. So not all is green, not all of life will be rolling green hills. But the beautiful thing is that you belong to God and so whatever circumstances you walk through, he's there leading you, guiding you, protecting you because you are his, you're precious. And of course ultimately for us we know that God will lead us through the darkest of valleys because who laid down his life for us? The good shepherd, Jesus the good shepherd like how I just made the thing dark so that you could get the darkest of valleys kind of reference. Okay. No, okay. The point is, Jesus dies on the cross and he jumps right down the throat of darkness, of death. He, he did that for you. And he puts out his hand and he says, I'm going to lead you through this. I'm going to take you through death into resurrection eternal life. It's not going to be uh, hunky-dory, but he'll bring us through. And so when we belong to Jesus, we can be certain he'll lead us through death into forever life. And so hopefully you start to see, actually, this is what ought to motivate me 
to sing joyfully. This is what ought to motivate me to serve gladly and, and draw near to God, knowing that we are created by God, knowing we're bought with the price of Jesus' blood and that we belong to him. But lastly, knowing that um, God is stable. Now, that seems like a very generic thing to say, but I think it's, such, it's actually quite lovely that God is stable. And when it comes to joyful thanks, it just means when it comes to feelings, they might be fleeting and circumstances changing, but we know that God is stable, he's consistent and he's constant, and so we can gratefully praise in sadness and in disappointment because we see God's stability in his goodness and faithful love. So have a look at verse 5. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And this reminds us that in and of God, he's just all good. He every, per, it permeate, permeates everything he does. And his love is always there. It's stable and it's firm. It's never moving. Um, this week I relocated my home office. It sounds fancy. It's just a desk and a chair. Um, but part of moving was putting together a new desk. I, I bought a new frame and I, I um, had to make the desktop. I should have asked Matt Robbo, but I didn't. Um, but I put two bits of wood together that we had lying around. I glued them together. I thought I did a really good job. And then I placed it on the frame and it didn't lie flat. It was a bit wonky. And my wife said, maybe the wood was warped. Oh, thanks, Liz. But it wasn't. But that's the wonderful thing about God is that he's always stable. And we remember his goodness to us, especially in Christ. Remember his faithful love in Jesus dying for us. And so we can rest secure in his goodness and love. And so when the tides of life come crashing over us, you can be assured that the future will always be ruled by a loving God. You can be assured that the present will always be a God who is faithful to his promises. And knowing this, it fuels your joy and your thanks. Because it recognises that when circumstances don't go the way you want, we can still be confident in God's steadiness. So, trusting God's steadfast love means knowing that difficult circumstances are good for us. And that's a good thing, because when life hits the flan, you can know God is unchanging, his nature and demeanour are always good, and you can praise God because he's refining you. And if he was willing to put Jesus, his perfect son, through that, then what is he? We can't really complain, but to know that he loves us and he's refining and changing us, and we can joyfully give thanks in all circumstances. Well, let's finish um, looking at Psalm 100. What will help you to have outbursts of delight? What will encourage you to serve God obediently without grumbling and complaining but with joy? Well, it's knowing who God is, that we belong to him, he is good and he is faithful. But I think actually that's not enough. Because when we fail to express our delight 
when we fail to serve him gladly, um, rather than drawing near to God, we want to run away. And so we need to know this. Jesus Christ is our high priest. You know where he sits? He sits in the very presence of God. And you know what he does? He serves God for us perfectly. And he is our worship leader. He leads the choir. He has gone ahead of us. He has entered the Holy of Holies where we would have no right to enter. So he is already seeing the Father's praise, praying on our behalf to his Father, using um, his voice to show gratefulness. And we are united with him if we trust in Christ. We are brought into the very presence of God. That's where you are seated right now with Jesus in the presence of God. Jesus has entered the Holy of Holies. Only Jesus can bring you into uh, the Holy of Holies, into the, into the inner workings of God's life. And because of our great high priest, we can draw near with confidence and boldness. So don't base your intimacy with God on how you are feeling. Don't base your intimacy with God on how you are performing. And don't base it on how well you're serving either. We stand in the presence of God because we are united to our great high priest. So let us draw near to God because we are already there. Christ has entered and brought us with him because of his perfect sacrifice. You are cleansed and you've arrived. And that, that will motivate you. That will motivate you to declare thanks with your voice, serve and draw near to him. Well, to finish off, um, a Christian pastor was, uh, posted a secular article on the beauty of thanksgiving. Um, and I think our friends who aren't Christians in our society, um, they all know that thanksgiving is beautiful and good for people. Um, But what um, this Christian pastor wanted to make sure was clear was that, um, was this. This is what he wrote. One of the things I love about Jesus is that knowing him as creator and sustainer of everything and everyone gives us a target for our thankfulness. One of my favourite Bible verses, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. And when life is difficult and when life is pain, it is my experience that there is deep comfort in the presence of God in Jesus, in love demonstrated in acceptance of us while we were ignoring him. There's love at the bottom of the pain, at the base of the cross. And so um, I hope you go away being able to give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his steadfast love endures forever. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we we praise you uh, that your son, Jesus Christ, is seated in the heavenly realms, and we are hidden in his life. 
Father, help us to delight in you and what you have done for us and to delight in where we are seated before you. Lord, when our feelings um, and our circumstances um, make us want to run away, um, help us to remember where we are and draw near to you. And Lord, would you fill our hearts with thanksgiving that we might burst out in great delight of who you are and what you've done, that we might have our hearts shaped to serve you and that we might also continue to draw near to you because of what Jesus has done for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.